let's go to Galatians chapter 4 and uh, kick her open. We are just speeding right along through um, uh, uh, Galatians. Um, we're in the fourth chapter now. Um, and um, and, and uh, I, I want to read you the three verses that I hope, Lord willing, to cover tonight. Um, and and I, <laughs> I have a hunch uh, the impact they're going to make. Real, um, let me read them. <clears throat> uh, Galatians 4 at verse 1. Uh, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the uh, date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. Those are the three verses that I want to cover tonight. And I, I, I bet that as I read them, they, they, um, they didn't exactly excite you. Um, you, you read something like this, and um, and and it's it's somewhat it's somewhat isolated from everything, and you just wonder what's going on. So let me see if um, because it's really a piece of richness in here, and and I and I don't want us to miss it. First of all, the key to understanding these three verses is in verse three. In the same way, we also that's the key to understanding these three verses. Because, ladies and gentlemen, this is an analogy. It's an illustration. He is giving you something and saying, and in the same way, we also... He's, he's using something that, that at least this audience and these readers knew much about. We don't know much about it, and, we're, and I'm going to talk about it uh, um, in a minute. But... He's using uh, something that these readers knew much about and saying, what I'm teaching you, says Paul, is like that. Uh, if you understand that, you can understand this. Okay. So that's what this is. Um, if you understand that Paul is now wrapping up his argument, um, and he's wrapping it up with an, with an illustration and the illustration has to do with an heir, H-E-I-R. Um, and really, um, the heir's uh, uh, situation as an underage heir versus one who has come into full adulthood. Okay, And what he is saying is, that situation is like... Um, living under the law and enslaved by the law and having the gospel bring us into full maturity and adulthood and setting us free. Okay? That, that's all this is about. Um, uh, an heir, um, as, as a minor, as he was being treated as a minor, um, his life was no better than a servant. I mean, he had... Uh, we were told back in, uh, oh, chapter 3, verses uh, 23 and 24, uh, the law was like a guardian. Yeah, there it is, verse 24. So then the law was our guardian. Well, an heir had guardians assigned to him, and, and he was pretty much uh, treated just like one of the, the, the servants. I mean, um, uh, he had no freedom. He could make no decisions. He couldn't spend any money. Um, or I mean, he was he was under the tutelage and the and the heavy hand of a guardian. Although, 
Although in reality, he was very wealthy. But in fact, he was a slave under the heavy hand of a guardian. And and, and notice uh, what the text says, uh, until the date set by his father. So do you see what's going on? uh, um, What Paul is teaching, he's giving you an illustration and he's saying... um, uh, just like an heir who had guardians over him, and thus he was uh, treated like a servant and didn't have any freedom, and you know couldn't make any decisions, and and was really kind of in a cruel tyranny. Um, in the same way, we also. So he's comparing us guys to the situation that existed in a culture in a in a Roman culture when a, when a when a son came out of being a minor and became uh, an adult. Now, it's interesting, guys, because every culture seems to have that kind of um, rite of passage. Um, for instance, in, in a, I mean, it, when you read this as a 21st century Westerner, you kind of miss a lot because we don't have festivals like uh, like they had, um, and they still have. Uh, I mean, you've heard of this, guys. Um, you know in Judaism, they have a bar mitzvah. And, and you know what bar means? You know what bar Jonah means? You remember when, when, um, when Jesus was being tried and there was this bar Jonah? Well, bar is a Hebrew word which means son. And bar Jonah is the son of Jonah. Well, a bar mitzvah, is a son, or the, the, the Hebrew term mitzvah means commandment or law. And one of the interesting things that you would see if you ever visit Jerusalem is that the Wailing Wall, they're having all these bar mitzvahs. I mean, there's probably six of them going on at, a, at, a, at, a, at, a, at the same time. And, and these little 12-year-old boys, no, I'm sorry, 13-year-old boys, it's interesting, girls, they have what's called a bat mitzvah, which, you know, women are more like bats, um, that, that's just a joke. Um, uh, that, 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 that's going to cost me right there. Uh, <laughs> I, can, I can just feel what's coming from that right over there right now. <laughs> but, but there's a bat mitzvah, and, and women pass from uh, a, a girl to a woman at age 12 in Judaism. Uh, a, a boy doesn't pass from a boy to an adult male until 13, we grow up slower, we mature slower, and we all know that to be so, don't we? Um, but these, these, these 13-year-old boys carrying these big scrolls, <coughs> they've got these little hats on, and, and they've got these things draped on them, and they're, and they're carrying these big scrolls, and, they're going, and, and, the, and the women who are not allowed down there because they're women, they're not right there you know, where the men are, they're making these noises like, I mean, it's the strangest thing you've ever heard in your life. I don't know that a woman in this room could make that noise. I mean, if you practice it, I'm sure you could, but I mean, you, it's, it's almost like, something like that. And they're off to the side, yeah, while the, the 13-year-old is coming out to, um, you know, and he's bringing this big scroll, and he, and he lays it on this, this podium, and he's being bar mitzvahed, because bar mitzvah means the son of the law. He brings out the Torah, and I, and I guess he reads some of it. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a point at which a, a male boy is recognized as a male man. 
By the way, do you know that we have a, a similar thing? I mean, it's not similar, but we have a kind of that thing um, in Christianity. We believe in what's called an age of accountability. Um, uh, Isaiah chapter 7, verses 15, 16. When, when, a, when, when a man is, or when a person is uh, able to recognize right from wrong, uh, he passes from being considered a child to an adult. You treat them differently. But guys, um, Greeks had the same thing. Um, Greeks had a, a um, oh, I forget how to spell it. Um, they have a festival called uh, Operturia. Don't, don't hold me to that. Uh, something like that. Uh, see, this thing is bad. Um, that is not me. I don't write that bad. I write bad, but not that bad. Um, it, it, anyway, they have a they have a, a festival where the 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 boy uh, passes into adulthood, and they they call it this, and 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 he moves from being the the um, um, being responsible to his father to being responsible to the state. Uh, he becomes a citizen. At um, that's a P. Um, uh, Apertoria. Um, Rome had its own version. It's called uh, Liberalia. I think that's right. That's that's close. But they did not have a a, a, a specific age. And you'll notice in the text that it um, because by the way. Uh, Paul is writing to Roman citizens. He is writing into a Roman culture, not a Greek culture, not a Jewish culture. He's writing into a Roman culture. So whereas Judaism has its bar mitzvah and, and Greeks have its aperturia, uh, the Romans had this. And the difference in, in, Rome, uh, in, in the Roman um, uh, festival was that the father set the date He's the one who said, uh, okay, it's time for my son to be recognized as an as adult male. And look at the text, uh, verse 2. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. Paul is reflecting a Roman social custom. And he's saying there's a point at which, oh, by the way, in this, in this festival, uh, you can look it up. I mean, I, that's what I did. I love this whole scene, but um, they change togas. He gets a <laughs> he gets a toga. Uh, I'm spelling that wrong, but you can see virile in it. He he takes off the the, the toga of a of a child, and he puts on the man gown. You know, the virile. You know, now he's a man. You know. And, and, and in all honesty, in, Rome, in, in Roman culture, it was closer to the age of 18 than was bar mitzvah, which is the age of 13. And, and, and by the way, our whole uh, age of accountability thing is, uh, is somewhere around this date. And, and it's just a, a, we borrowed that from Judaism, you know? But the Bible does seem to recognize the point at which a, a, a child becomes adult-like in his thinking. Now, guys, with that uh, social um, custom in mind, Paul says, 
you know, look at it. I mean, I just love the language when he says, uh, verse 3, in the same way we also. Well, we used to be, you know, in our, we were kids. We were just children, you know, minors. And, and, and what, notice what he says in uh, verse 3. In the same way we all, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles. What's that? Well, for a, for a Jew... The elementary principles would have, would have been Mosaic Law and all of its ceremony that is, was included. For a Greek, for a, Gentile, for a Roman, it would have been uh, the, whatever pagan religion, uh, the traditions of their pagan religion that, th- that they were associated with. But it was all some kind of enslavement. G- guys, um, the, um, the, the elementary principle, I mean, the word that he uses there, um, um, it's, th- these principles are material, they're earthly. They, they may be able to restrain evil. I mean, the law can restrain evil, and it does. It may be able to restrain evil, but it can't deliver us from evil. Um... It, 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 it might be able to lower the murder rate, but it will never change your heart. It might be able to keep husbands faithful at home, that chance, but it will never justify. And that's what Paul has in mind when he's talking about it's earthly, it's material. It, it, it might have some kind of earthly benefit, but it can't change you. And so he uses this idea of passing from being a minor to being an adult. And the thing that produces that passage is the gospel. We, we, we leave that period whether, where we were under guardians where we were enslaved and the gospel has now set us free so that we're not acting like we're under some kind of tyrant anymore. Now, guys, here's the tragedy. So many Christians are continuing to act like they are children who are still enslaved. They're still trying to prove their their worth by some kind of merit scheme. They're they're trying to establish their identity. Um... By their, by their record, by their, by their merits. Um, and you know what, guys? 
I mean, I, what Paul is trying to do is to, is, to, is to make the Christian church recognize the gospel has set you free from that. Stop living like you're still under there, like you're still a minor. Because in, when you're a minor, you live according to, to law. You live according to the, the heavy hand of a tyrant. And by the way, this is kind of interesting too. Um, one of the purposes of the guardian was to keep the heir at a safe distance from his father. He didn't get to have intimacy with his father until you know, he became a man. But the gospel has set us free from that. It has moved us out from underneath that bondage. And by the way, that's not my language. He uses the, he uses the language of enslavement. That's what law does to you. It does it to you every time, ladies and gentlemen. And, and Christians who ought to know better are still trying to establish their worth by performing up to certain standards set for them by the law. And you know what? That all works pretty well. As long as you're obeying the standards pretty well. As long as your performance is pretty good, it works, it, it works, it works all right. You can still feel pretty good about yourself. As long as you're living up to the standards that you or your culture or your church set for you. But if you fail, if you blow it, then you wonder, where, what, what, what is my identity? What is my worth? I thought my worth was being this, and I just blew that, so I don't have any worth anymore. Guys, could, could I give you a couple of illustrations of, of watching Christians think, live like they're still under the guardians. Can I give you just a... Here's how, here's how I see it. I mean, I see it, you know, lots of ways, but here's a couple of hopefully good illustrations. Um, somebody really says something bad about you. And you hear about it. I mean, they say, you know, you know you're just a lazy bum. And you hear about it. And you are enraged that somebody would dream about saying something that bad about you. Because you say you've got this real high view of, who, of your performance. And now somebody has questioned the success of your keeping your own standards. Um, so when somebody says something bad about you. Your reaction is one of self or defense and, and trying to overturn when in fact, I mean, you're, you're outraged that somebody would say something bad about you like that. And you never remember that you've said some bad things about people yourself. I did my systematics class, and I wish I could tell you exactly what happened this, set, this weekend in my systematics class. It was, it was a, a phone that broke through like that, 
and it was something about, and I'm telling you, the voice on the phone said something like, oh, no, you won't, Jimmy. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just teaching my little heart out up there, and, and, you know, and the phone said, oh, no, you won't, Jimmy. And I, <clears throat> it was just perfect timing. But, but, but okay, so, so here I am feeling like I'm really a good performer. Somebody questioned my good performance, and I'm outraged. And you know what? I've done the same thing to somebody else. You see, guys, one of the things that an understanding of the gospel does for us is that we no longer have to defend our performance because we understand that our performance is not what sets us free. My performance didn't didn't merit my standing with God. Let me give you another one. Somebody lies to you. And you, and you, and you know they lied to you. You know, somebody, somebody told you a big old lie, and you know, you're just infuriated that somebody lied to you. Because you're thinking all along that I would never do that. And when, and when, when somebody talks to me about being lied to, here's, here's what I always ask them. Have you ever told a lie? Then why are you so outraged at being told one? You know, this is, my wife will get on to me about this too. This is a shady little scuzzy story, but um, um, it does illustrate my point. I thought about it. I just want you to know, Susie, that I did think um, this was, it's just not, compl- and not, not completely off the cuff. You can leave now. Um, uh, <laughs> um, did you hear about the, I mean, it's a joke. It's a, it was a, it's a joke. It's about um, a man who goes up to this woman and says, um, would you uh, be unfaithful to your wife for $5 if I paid you $5? Would you be unfaithful to your husband for $5? And she says, absolutely not. What kind of woman do you think I am? And he says, well, what if I offered you a million dollars? And she says, well, you know, um, you know. Um, uh, and, 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 and he says, well, We've already established what kind of woman you are. We're just now, what we're doing now is quibbling over the price. (laughs) Guys, have you ever told a lie? Then you're a liar. And you're so outraged that somebody told you a lie. You know what that is? That's thinking like you're still under a tyrant enslaved by performance standards. I mean, do you get it? Do you see the connection? That is, my performance is what makes me really valuable, and I've been performing really high, and somebody lied to me, and, um, and therefore, I'm outraged. And I want to say, What? You're outraged that somebody lied to you, Deb? You never told a lie? And if you say you've never told a lie, you'd probably lie about other things. (laughs) 
So you see, guys, when, when, you, when you live in this world where your performance establishes your worth, it works fine until you blow it. And then the law, law just chokes the life out of you. Here's how somebody who understands the gospel ought to think, or at least close. I got lied to. No, I tell you what, let me use the other one. Somebody said some real bad stuff about me. But you know what? I've said some real bad stuff about other people. And so what he's done to me is no worse than what I've done to somebody else. Bless God that the reason that I'm safe is not my performance. My, 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 my worth is bound up in Christ's performance on my behalf. And therefore, I'm set free from all this, this legal expectation about performance. I'm telling you guys, we live like we're still under tutelage. We live like we're still under guardians. The gospel is supposed to set you free from that. The gospel is supposed to remind you, yes, sir, re Bobby, everything that has happened to you, you're all so guilty of. And so therefore, we can, we can all, uh, you know, um, we can understand better why somebody told you a lie because I told someone a lie the other day myself. But the thing that has established my worth is Christ's finished work on my behalf. And so I don't, I don't get outraged when people lie to me or say bad things. And I know you wouldn't dream of saying a bad thing about me, would you? But I want you to know if you do, it doesn't change my worth. It doesn't change my status. Because you see, I'm, I've, I've moved through liberalia. I got a new toga on. Virile one. <laughs> I'm not a kid anymore. I used to be a kid. I used to be one that was dominated by tyranny, the tyranny of the law and the, the most important thing in my spiritual life was my performance. It's not anymore. The whole motive for, for, for holy, obedient living is not so that I can establish anything because that's already been established because of Christ's finished work on my behalf. You know, guys, I think I've said this to you before, and, and, and I'll quit with this, or try to. Here's the difference, or here's another illustration of the difference. Those who live under the, 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 this idea of my worth depends on how well I perform, um, it's like they go into a court, courtroom and they stand before a judge, and they say to the judge, okay, judge, before you pass sentence, let me tell you about all the things that I have done. And you begin to list all of the wonderful performances, the wonderful executions, the wonderful obediences that you have performed in, in, in a lifetime. And you lay that before the judge and you step back and wait on him to pass sentence. 
That's living like someone who is under a guardian. Somebody who's been set free walks into the courtroom and recognizes the verdict is already in about me. The verdict's already in without me saying a word. In fact, the truth of the, of the matter is the judge has got all the information about my guilt. But because of the finished work of Christ on my behalf, the verdict's already in. So I don't, I don't go trying to impress the judge about how, what a good boy or good girl I've been. I'm, I'm trying to be a good boy and a good girl just so that I can represent this God of grace better. But my performance doesn't change my status with him. Paul is closing out his argument by illustrating, in essence, this. Guys, there is a social custom that we all know about. A, a guy that owns all of this property in, in reality, but he's living under a guardian, acting like he's still a slave. But once the gospel was embraced... I was set free from that tyranny, and now I live like, like the heir that I am. And then he's, he says, In the same way we also, when we were children, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, I can tell you that in my case, for the first 22 years of my life, and then several years after I became a Christian, enslaved to people's opinion of me and the code living that was enforced for me by the particular spiritual group that I was a part of. And then grace. Grace has set me free from that, ladies and gentlemen. I've said this to you a half a dozen times before, but I'm going to say it one more time and I'll quit. I hope you like me. I hope you love me. I hope you say nice things about me. I hope you go tell your friends that he's the finest Bible teacher I ever heard. But if you don't, it's okay. Because I don't need you. I don't need you to approve of me to feel like an heir. I need to go back and listen to the gospel again. In the midst of you disapproving me and approving me, the thing that I need to hear is not your good opinion or your bad opinion. What I need to hear is that because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, I am now set free from all that. I hope you are too. Uh, I hate to see Christians who are heirs, in fact, or in reality, but in fact, living like they're slaves. Let's quit. Our Father, I do pray that you will remind your people that the thing that has set us free is the work of Jesus Christ, nothing else, nothing additional. Um, 
even though I have performed uh, reasonably well, um, that's not my, um, that's not the reason that I've been swept into this thing called the kingdom of God. It is pure grace. You took a liar. You took someone who has used his tongue miserably. And you, based on the merits of Jesus Christ, have planted him into a new family. And so, Father, as one who's been set free, um, might I represent you well, and might the rest of your people here strive to be conformed to the image of Christ, motivated, motivated by one thing, the desire to see God magnified in a culture that has lost sight of you. Use us, Father, to represent you well. We ask it all, of course, in Jesus' name.